Well, I'm going to get straight to my assignment this morning. When Pastor asked me to come and speak, he said, you know, I just want you to uh, come and share whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And when I speak in churches, sometimes I have an, a, a specific assignment, and then I also have assignments like this where, man, how do I even tackle that, Lord? And I will be honest with you, I'm just going to speak from my heart for a couple of minutes here. Uh, I've been nervous about today. Michelle can tell you, uh, when I get nervous about a day, she hears about it. And uh, then she becomes a, a, she, uh, the prayer partner she already is. But I had to vet this through her and say, I feel like the Lord is saying this. Um, so I, I, I stand very humbly before you this morning, as humble as I possibly can in my own humanity, and say the Lord has given me a word for this house. And I want you to receive it. And I uh, pray that the Lord will help me to communicate it as, as I should. The word is windblown. Windblown. Have you ever felt like you were windblown? Well, let me get more specific. Have you ever felt like you were in the middle of point A and point B fighting against the wind? Even this week. And maybe this is why it's come to mind the way it has. I have been ministering to a, a young couple and their family. They were expecting a baby a month ago, nine months. The room was decorated beautifully uh, in girlish colors, but only to be told with dreams crashing that that nine-month baby in the womb, uh, her heart wasn't beating. And she had to deliver a baby that was already in heaven. The wind is blowing for them today. I, I talked even this week with a middle-aged husband who happens to be a pastor. He's still getting through the grieving pain of losing his wife, 51 years of age, to cancer last December. He is floundering in many ways. Uh, but a dear friend, and I... I realize today the wind is blowing for him. Missionary friends of mine, even this week, reaching out to them whose son has recently gone public with an alternative lifestyle when they tried their best to secret the news, the news got out, and they're having to deal with that. The wind is blowing for them. A young minister just this week who I have been having the privilege of walking through uh, when he's having to put his ministry on hold because of some unfortunate mistakes. And oh, how hurting he is. And the wind is blowing for him. Disappointments, pains, setbacks, heartbreaks, frustrations, Man, if I could just get from point A to point B. I, I just want to get to a new destination. Tired of living here. If I could just get through the wind. I'm going to ask you again. Have you ever felt like you were somewhat fighting against that wind? I've got a passage of Scripture. 
and a narrative that I believe you will find familiar to you. Not because it's in the Bible, but because it's every bit of what we deal with. I want to invite you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. If you have a hard copy of God's Word, I invite you to look there, or look electronically, or on the screen. We're going to look at a few verses here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of talk through some of this, because uh, how many believe that the Bible can't be received if it's not understood? And I believe that there's a lot to understand, a lot we're meant to understand. Matter of fact, a rule of thumb, anytime you're reading God's Word and you don't understand it, don't just pass it by like you're not supposed to. Dig into it. Find God's Word a great source of comfort and truth and very real truth for you today. And this passage of Scripture is very real truth for us. Matthew's Gospel chapter, excuse me, Mark's Gospel chapter 6, starting with verse 45. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. Let me pause here and say, what in the world was immediately after this? Well, Jesus had just got through supernaturally feeding 5,000. Well, he didn't just feed 5,000. If you read the text, you know that the wives and the children weren't counted. So a lot of theologians believe this was upwards to 25,000. And he fed about 20 to 25,000 with Five loaves and two fish. A remarkable miracle. So much so that the word was traveling and fanfare was at such a fever pitch that the Lord said, i got to get out of here. If I don't get out of here, they're going to try to make me king by force. That's what John's Gospel chapter 6 says, which is a parallel passage to this. And so he tried to get out, but he knew that if he kept his disciples around, they're just sweet enough to really try to encourage this fanfare and say, shouldn't we go ahead and make him king? So he had to insist, that's what the scripture says here, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. You can almost get this picture of Jesus saying to Peter and the rest of the guys, get in the boat, and then when they're in the boat, he, he himself is pushing the boat out into the water so that he could really carry this emphasis to them. And he sent the people home. Now, this is a lot of people. They didn't want to go home. They wanted to follow Jesus. But Jesus, it says, after telling everyone goodbye, went up into the hills by himself to pray. Now, let me tell you why he prayed. Because he had to stay focused. When he was doing these powerful miracles, people wanted to make him something that he knew he wasn't called to be. And his eyes and his focus was on the Via Della Rosa, which was the way of suffering. He was already focused there. And so he had to get up to mountains. He had to break away and just get refocused and say, Lord, help me in my flesh. Fully God, fully man. Help me to stay the course. And so that's what he was doing. Verse 47, late that night, and it was really late because it was already late. It was evening. That's why Jesus was feeding the people anyway because he couldn't send them home to go eat. And so he had a heart of compassion and so he wanted to feed them while it was late. But late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. Had no business being in the middle of the lake. This was a shoreline travel. Just push out a little ways from the shore, four miles to the destination of Bethsaida, and you'd be home free. But they were in the middle of the lake. And Jesus 
was alone on land. Verse 48. He saw that they were in serious trouble. The reason that they were in serious trouble is because winds had picked up to such a degree that it had pushed their boat out into the middle of the lake. Right in the middle of the waves and the wind. And this windstorm was beating feverishly, causing serious trouble. And they were rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. One translation says, against the opposing ferocious wind. About three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Oh my goodness. What a major detour. I mean, they were just supposed to get back to a place to rest for the night. But now three o'clock in the morning. A lot of historians believe that they were in the middle of the lake rowing hard for almost six hours. So you talk about worn out, frustrated, wanting to get to point B, but can't get there. So three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, which we'll talk about. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Now we've got we got wind problems already. Now we got ghost problems. So they're really in a quandary here. They all were terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Here's the great message of Scripture, that Jesus is still speaking. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Jesus is still speaking. And when Jesus spoke in this regard, it changed the whole complexion of the moment. Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. It's a good lesson for the disciples. I guess maybe they're just hard-headed enough not to travel with Jesus in water. Last time they were in water, remember? And Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. They should know by now never to get in a boat without Jesus. But Jesus was so insistent that they just wanted to be obedient. And we'll talk more about even in their obedience, they found a storm. And he climbed into the boat. And the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. Now, amazement doesn't always equal faith. Amazement doesn't always equal faith. You could say that God does some cool things and still not be following Him. But John chapter 6 says that they confessed at that moment, you are the Son of God. So this amazement does equal faith. You are the Son of God. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves their hearts were too hard to take it in. A lot of theologians argue over that last verse. And this is what I just come to an understanding of. That storms will either soften you or stiffen you. It'll either soften you or stiffen you. It'll either make you more palatable and more pliable in the hands of the Lord. Or you'll be so turned off. Be going through the motions. We'll talk more about that in a moment. I, I, I just got to talk about Oklahoma wind because Oklahoma wind is crazy. You know, you can just be minding your own business. Have you ever been peering out the blinds of your house trying to watch somebody rake leaves in wind? You just want to laugh, don't you? Until you're trying to do it, right? <laughs> or how about trying to water your yard when the wind is blowing? You have that setting on and you walk out and the, the water is watering everybody else's yard except your yard. And how frustrating that can be. Well, the Oklahoma wind's very interesting. 
And uh, if you've ever been in Oklahoma weather and you come back in from that weather and you scratch your head and said, what just happened to me? And you're putting your wig and toupee back into place. You know what I'm talking about, some of you. Well, it's so windy in Oklahoma. Now, when I say that, you're supposed to say, how windy is it? Okay, here we go. So it's so windy in Oklahoma. It's so windy that if the wind ever stopped blowing, everyone would fall down. Now you know. Now you know why they're still standing up. It's so windy in Oklahoma. Well, we have the county crew out duct taping the rocks to the gravel roads. That's how windy it is. Um, Thank you for that courtesy laugh. It's so windy in Oklahoma. The birds are seen walking. Um, Keep your day job. It's so windy in Oklahoma that a teen who was seen outside playing basketball went up to dunk and scored two points for the opposing team. You'll get that later. Come on, Susan, help me out here. It's so windy in Oklahoma. The chickens at the chicken farm get plucked before they get slaughtered. Keep those laughs coming. Thank you, Kenny. It's so windy in Oklahoma. My favorite one, Wednesday is habitually misspelled. Wow, that wasn't even courtesy. That's endurance. Now I've put you on an endurance race. Well, uh, the Mark 6 wind is no funny matter. This is a serious moment for them. Here's a picture. The disciples in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, rowing hard in place against a ferocious, opposing, emphasis on opposing, windstorm. Let me just pause right here and say, this is really important. Because this story is not about a boat in the middle of a lake. It's not about some disciples that are having a hard time. It's not even about the feeding of the 5,000, which is the joining miracle to this one. You know what this story's about? Jesus. This story's about Jesus. I, I don't know if this is going to hit you in any particular way, but I think it's important to say that no matter what our troubles are, no matter what our pleasures or blessings are, It doesn't really matter what happens in our life if we're following Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And Mark is about showing the divinity of Christ. That's why Mark was written. So he is all about showing you Jesus in the midst of situations. And there are four life-altering truths here in this passage that is urgently worth mentioning. The first one is this. That just because we go through a storm doesn't mean we're out of God's will. Just because we're going through a storm doesn't necessarily mean we're out of God's will. Don't let anybody with hyper faith tell you. And hyper faith meaning I think we all need good hyper faith. But I'm talking about unhealthy faith. Tell you that the reason you're in the situation you're in is because you made some bad choices. Can I just set everybody free in here? We are full of bad choices. We are flawed to the nth degree. We couldn't help ourselves if we tried. Any gospel that's about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, let me tell you, that verse in the Bible that says God helps those who help themselves, it's not in the Bible. That was, that's in Benjamin Franklin's almanac. It doesn't fit. We need the grace and mercy of God like never before. 
And just because we're in a storm doesn't mean we're out of God's will. It could, in fact, confirm we're in God's will. I'm not trying to determine where you're at today, but I'm just trying to encourage all of us, including myself, to know that hard times isn't an indicator or indicative to us having a sinful life because we're sinful people anyway. Jesus insisted. So He had in mind all along that they were to get in this boat and more than likely knew that they were going to face some terrible situation, but not outside of His reach to help. And it's very, very interesting to me that He waited so long to do it. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but I just think it's important to get the record straight and to let everybody know, including the devil, that we know the truth. And the truth is, in this world, we'll have tribulation. And the wind's going to blow, and frankly, when you walk out of this church today, the wind's going to be hitting you in some way, form, or fashion. But we've got to be reminded that the will of God is still attainable. It's not a tightrope, it's a highway. And the grace of God is for you today. I said the grace of God is for you today. Jesus insisted that His disciples get into the boat. It was His agenda. It wasn't their agenda. If it was up to them, they would have probably gone back and created a, a new movement for Jesus. But Jesus wasn't into those movements. He was establishing the kingdom of God in the hearts of people. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that sometimes the enemy is just trying to keep us from God's best. While God is wanting to deepen our faith. Wow, what an opposing wind. The enemy's trying to keep you from God's best. And God's trying to deepen your faith. This is what I know about storms, and I've had enough to figure this out for myself. I'm not praying for more storms to come along the way, but I know enough to know that in life, storms will come. And I just need to be aware, just weather aware. Thank you, Channel 4. Thank you, Channel 9. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. This is what I know, that, that storms can defeat us. Storms can deafen us. Storms can deepen us. That's right. Uh, storms can defeat us. You better believe storms can defeat you. The thief has come to only, only, everybody say only. Only but to kill, still and destroy. That's an important word, only. Because there is no other strategy that he has but to snuff out your faith. And so, I've seen a lot of people hit storms and they were defeated. You never saw them again. I could name some of those people in my own family, in my circle of friends. It's tragic, but that's what the enemy's after. Second thing I believe that storms can do is deafness. I've got a little hearing problem in this ear. I had a virus hit my ear sometime back and I started losing hearing in that ear. And so the doctors, specialists have been looking at it. You don't have to send me any emails on this. I know all the stuff. And, and, um, and th they say either they're going to do surgery, continue this medicine, or maybe put a hearing aid in or all three or whatever. But I'm just trusting the Lord on all this. This is what I know about my hearing in this ear, that if I'm in, if I'm in loud places, that my ear will ring for days and will almost deafen more. Can you imagine those disciples hearing that wind continual wind and battering against that boat, what they must have heard for even days after that. This is what I know about storms, that storms can deafen people. They can go through the motions after a storm and they can, you know, be hit so hard that almost numb. 
Like, you know, I'll come to church, but no life change for me because I've been down that road before. And he's not as good a God as people say he is, or I wouldn't have gone through that kind of stuff. How many know the devil is a liar? The devil is a liar. So storms can defeat us. Storms can deafen us. But storms can, most importantly, deepen us. We don't need any more intellectual or financially secure people as much as we need more deep people in the world today. We need more deep people. And storms can deepen us. There's a story in the Gospel of John chapter 9 where Jesus is uh, being brought, or brought a, a man born blind is being brought to him. And the disciples say, well, who sinned, this man or the man or, or his parents? And Jesus said, well, neither. I'm going to just strike this notion right at the heart. Nobody sinned. This man was born blind but so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. You could be going through a situation right now for the only purpose that God might be glorified in it. That God might be honored. Can you just, just come down to the point in your life where you say, no matter what happens in my life, let God be praised. Let God be praised. Let God be praised. Let God be praised. Let, in the good times and the bad times, let God be praised. Come on, church. Let it deepen us. This is the second thing I know about this passage of Scripture that the Lord is speaking to me, that no matter how far we think we are from God, He sees and He knows. He sees and He knows. It's a miracle within a miracle within a miracle here. Before Jesus ever walked on water, that part that we remember, here's the other part of the miracle that we don't even think about a lot of times. He was able to see. There are four miles... John chapter 6, the parallel passage says, they're four miles from shore at the darkest part of night. Now, the Lord may have had a little moon help, full moon, the light, but okay, let's just say He didn't need any help. But it was pitch dark, four miles. He's on a mountain, so He's a good maybe another half a mile from them. So four and a half miles and there's wind and there's storm. And how in the world would you be able to see anything anyway? But he's looking out and he saw, the scripture says, that they were in serious trouble. He can see how God always sees. Nothing's stopping God from seeing. Nothing's stopping God from knowing. Nothing's stopping God from being able to engage in your situation. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 10. That if a sparrow falls to the ground, the Lord sees it. How much more does He see us? Listen, if He sees us, then He can save us. <laughs> but if He can't see us, how can He save us? This is the Gospel, friends. This is what God's Word is telling us over and over and over again. There's not a place you can go. David talked about it in Psalm 139. If I go to the highest heights, you're there. If I go to the lowest depths, you're there. I can't flee from your presence. This is great comfort to the church. It's great comfort to anybody who looks into God's Word. He sees where you are. No wind, no wave. No circumstance is going to keep our Lord from seeking us. Come on, somebody. I feel that right there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the miracle. Within the miracle. It's much about seeing us as much as it is walking on the water for us. And then 
Number three, Jesus will walk on the water just to be near us. If I didn't know that was true, then I would say this. What in the world were you doing, Jesus? Wasting your time walking on the water. You just fed 25,000 people just by saying a blessing over the meal. And then you picked up 12 baskets. Couldn't you have just been up? You were up praying anyway, weren't you? Couldn't you have? You saw us. Couldn't you have just spoken from the place where you were and said, enough of you, wind. My boys are in trouble. Be gone. And the wind would have been silenced. Remember the story? That happened before he just spoke it, right? But no. He climbs off that mountain. Walks all the way to the shore. And in his sandal feet walks on the water. One foot in front of the other. 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 No sandbars, by the way. This is real water walking. Only that Jesus can do. And that's what Mark is identifying here. That he truly is the Son of God. He truly. Nobody else can do this. Not even Peter. And Mark says, I'm not even going to share with you about the Peter side of this story. Like Matthew does. Because this story is not about Peter. It's about Jesus. And Jesus will walk on the water just to be near us. This is what I know about Jesus. That as much as He wants to solve your difficulty, He even more wants to be with you in the midst of that difficulty. His presence. His realness. That when you are feeling the battering of those winds and waves and only thing you can think about is the situation you're in. Jesus is going to come into that situation and even if you don't recognize His presence, He will make His presence known in that situation. He's not waiting on you to get it right. He's already got it right. Forgive me for getting a little rambunctious here. But man, this is good. Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Man, I, I got to finish up. So this is... I'll just tell you about this one guy. So I'm, I'm sitting in Starbucks. And those who know me know that that's where I'm at a lot. And I'm sitting in Starbucks, minding my own business. I, got, I, even, I even have my headphones on to communicate to everybody else do not bother me. I'm not here. I'm in my own world. Isn't that so rude? I mean, that is so, so rude. But I'm being rude, and I'm sitting in that chair, and I'm studying this passage of Scripture right here in Mark chapter 6, preparing for this message a few weeks ago. And this man comes. He, he's a kind of a grisly-looking man. He's weathered face hair unkept, and he looks like he's been painting, and hard-working guy, and he comes and he sits at the table across from me, and I, I just looked up for a second when I saw him come and kind of got back to my studying, and, but he doesn't just turn toward the table where he's sitting at, he turns around facing me. And I look up, and every time I look up, he's not looking at me, but man, I can feel his eyes. And so I'm thinking, you know, he better not bother me right now because I'm studying God's Word. <laughs> I'm doing something really holy, right? 
I, maybe I wasn't thinking that, but it sure did make good for the story. And I'm sitting there, and I'm drinking coffee, and I'm studying Mark chapter 6, and I hear this guy through my, my uh, headphones, I hear this guy breathing hard, like, like he couldn't hardly breathe. <sighs> and he'd catch his breath, he'd catch his lungs, and, and then he'd let out a swear, and he'd breathe kind of get himself together and then he'd get caught up in his breathing again and try to let out some air and his lungs just didn't seem to be working out and let out a swear and I was thinking man, the audacity of this guy at least he could do is turn around toward his table and not mess with me right now and I just thought that was extremely rude so he continued on and I tried to study and then I realized you know I need some more coffee probably a good time to just shake it off and get up so I took my earphones off and set them at the table and walked up, showed him my frequent flyer number, and said, fill me up again. And, and then uh, as they're getting my coffee ready, I hear this inside. I, I know it's not the devil, and it's certainly not myself, because it's really good. <laughs> and I hear these words, and the words are, I want to walk on the water for him. What are you going to do about it? And I said, I'm not going to do absolutely anything about it. Oh, that's what I said inside, like I just dismissed. I'm not going. I mean, he, he doesn't want me to bother him. I certainly don't want him to bother me. I thought we made this clear already, you know, in my attitude. Can't you catch my attitude's not good right now? You can't work with people with bad attitudes, so walk away. I'm not saying this, but I'm feeling this. All of these things happening on the inside of me. And I hear it again. As I deny it, I hear it again. I want to walk on the water for him. What are you going to do about it? So I said to the Lord inside, Lord, I know this is you. And I'm just going to make a deal with you because last time I saw, he was sitting at this big community table and it was packed out. I don't want to make a scene. I don't want him. He's making a scene already. I just want to. When I turned around, he was sitting all by himself. So I walked over to him with my cup of coffee and I set it down. And I said, how you doing? And he let out some explicitness. And I said, hey, man, just want to check on you. I've kind of been noticing you're having trouble breathing. And he said, oh, man. I said, is there anything I can do for you? Can I do anything for you? I knew what I was going to do, but just kind of trying to get the conversation going and warm it up a little bit. And when I said, can I do anything for you, this weathered-faced man probably a good 60 years of age, began to cry. And this is what he said. I used to be somebody. I said, man, why don't you just roll out the red carpet for me here? I said, but I'm a nobody now. Because i got to be at the doctor. Nobody wants to hire me. And my family's falling apart. I'm just in bad shape. I said, yeah, you are. I said, listen, Jesus wants to change everything for you. He said, who? I said, Jesus. Jesus, you've heard of him. He said, yeah, yeah. I said, Jesus wants to change everything for you. He said, all right. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, I wouldn't hurt, I don't guess. 
So he put his head down and his shoulders began to shake. And he and I forgot where we were. I laid my hand on him just like I'm going to lay my hand on so many of you today. I laid my hand on him as comfortable as I would in this place. And I said, Holy Spirit. I said, I paused. I said, what's your name? He said, Monty Ray. I said, Monty Ray, if you're watching this, man, I love you. And I'm still believing a miracle for you. I said, Monty Ray, I pray the Holy Spirit would come upon you in a great way. I pray that He'll change your life. I pray that He'll heal you. He'll heal you physically and He'll heal you emotionally. And you will give your life to Jesus. I'm praying all of these things. And we conclude the prayer. And I put a strong squeeze on his shoulder. I said, how are you feeling? He said, a little better. I said, well, man, I'm going to be praying for you. He said, all right. He said, well, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Like pride getting in. I said, no problem, man. Hey. So he got his stuff and he walked. I said, I'm going to be looking for you, Monty Ray. He said, yeah. And I, I told the Lord as he left, as I was praying for him, Lord, give me another chance with Monty Ray. It wasn't two weeks later, I was sitting in that same Starbucks and I was talking to a minister that I needed to be talking with and we were having a very important meeting. Monty Ray walks in. And I said, I'm getting a little distracted in our meeting. Like, okay, man. Huh. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I got you, I got you, I got you. I got you. I got you, I got you. Hey, listen, I'm sorry for being so distracted. I'm just, I just don't want this guy to leave before I talk to him. No, no problem, no problem. Just, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, would you mind if I just take a moment because I, I, I got to talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, go, go, go ahead. I get up. I said, I walked over, I put my hand, I said, Monterey, you remember me? He said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what kind of kingdom impact I'm making, you know what I'm saying? I said, yeah, you do remember me. He said, who are you? And I said, I'm Darren Pilcher, the guy that prayed for you a few weeks ago. He said, oh, yeah. I almost kind of got that sarcastic look like, boy, I'm really making a difference here. I said, I've been praying for you, Monty Ray. In other words, let's just cut through this. I've been praying for you. I'm praying that God will heal you. But I'm really, I'm really concerned about your heart, Monty Ray, and I've really been praying about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know I need it, man. You know I need it. So we had some other words, and well, me and Monty Ray, we're going, I told him, I said, you and I are going to have a long journey together. He said, all right, okay, okay. You know what I felt like the Lord was just telling me? It's for me. That I'm going to walk on the water for people. I'm wanting to walk on the water for people. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I'm going to walk on the water to be with you. Here's the, the fourth point. The fourth point is that His presence made the very difference that they needed. He walked on the water on the way. Everybody stand up. He walked on the water on the waves. He walked on the water on the waves on the crate. He walked into the craziness. Never calmed anything. But in the craziness, his presence was felt. He made himself known. And you know what he said? He said, I am. 
here. Shooting you right back to Exodus chapter 3. It mirrors the Greek and the Hebrew together. The Greek, I am here, mirrors the Hebrew, I am here in Exodus 3. When Moses is standing before the burning bush and terrified at the commission that the Lord is giving him. And he said, when I go to Pharaoh, who am I to tell him sent me? And you know what that burning bush said? Tell him I am that I am is sending you. And so come on, give the Lord praise. You know where I'm going on this. And so what did Jesus do? And why in the world is Mark telling this story? To show us that He is the Son of God. He does alter situations. His presence does make the difference. And just because the wind hasn't died down yet doesn't mean He's not already in the midst of that wind with you. He is an ever-present help in time of need. The devil is a liar. I said he is an ever-present help in time of need. You know what happened? He said, boys, be bold. I am here. We know by Scripture that that was the last time that Jesus ever had to encourage their faith against fear when he was with them. Because any time he was with them from then on, they were secure. The point was proven. Now, when he wasn't with them, you know the story. They got fearful. Let me take you back. I got to hurry. To, to, to John chapter 21, they're in an upper room, not the upper room you think about in Acts chapter 2. We'll talk about that one in a moment. But in another upper room, because they locked themselves in for fear of the Jews. This was after the resurrection. And who in the world is going to appear in the midst of their fearful situation again? Jesus. He walks through the door. You can lock the door on yourself, but you can't lock the door on Jesus. And he walks through that wall. And he says, brothers, I am here. Don't be afraid. And he breathed on them. The freshly resurrected Lord breathed on them. Now, I've smelt some breath before that wasn't heavenly. But this one, can you imagine, Lord, the freshly resurrected breath breathing on me? And he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe that that's when they maybe had a salvation experience because the Holy Spirit came on the inside of them. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. You can read it. He said, I'm giving you another helper. That when I'm not with you, you don't have to be afraid. Because every time I'm not with you, you're afraid. But when I'm with you, you're not afraid. So I'm going to give you, everybody say another. Another helper. No matter how big the wind or the waves are, there's going to be another helper. In other words, you already had one, have to go, going to be in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, ever making intercession for you. But while I'm there as the intercessor, I'm sending one just like me. He's going to get on the inside of you. And anytime there's winds, anytime there's waves, my spirit's going to rise up within you and it's going to cast out that fear. You follow it? But then another upper room happened. Acts chapter 2 says they were all together. 
That 12 along with, or 11, they, they, they got another guy, that's right. The 12 and, and then about 120 altogether, they were in that upper room. And it says that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Rushing wind. Now listen, this is really important. That rushing wind was not an opposing wind <laughs> like they experienced before, but it was an assisting wind. <laughs> How many knows that when you got the wind at your back, you can go places? Come on, you can go places. And the Holy Spirit blew that day to give them a wind at their back that inaugurated the early church as we know that we're sitting in today. We have this church because of what happened in Acts chapter 2. Not because of an opposing wind, but because of an assisting wind. And I'm going to tell you something. There's no opposition. Listen to me, church. There is no opposition, no opposing wind that can stand against you and your faith. If you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you have the Holy Spirit on, on the life of who you are and you're blowing with it, you're going with it, and the Holy Spirit is leading you. I want you to lift your hands right now. Come on, everybody all over this place. I want you to lift your hands as high as you can get them. And I want us to just begin to thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have help in our situation. We have hope in our problem in our wind storm, Lord. And though we may be feeling a little wind blown today, we can know that there's another wind that's blowing. But it's not an opposing wind. It's an assisting wind.